These last several weeks, we've discussed in depth what it means to be compelled, what it means to step out in action. We've been compelled to reach outside of ourselves. We've been compelled to pray the way for the work of God, understanding that as we pray, so moves the hand of God. We've been compelled to grow in our understanding of Jesus' love for us and others and his plan for our lives. And we've been compelled to go to the people and the places to which he's called us. Today, we, we, we will grab hold of the importance of being compelled to give. Compelled to give. And as we consider what it truly means to be compelled to give, we must have a motivation to really understand what God is doing in the areas around us in Albany and around the world. Because God is moving. And yet too often we get focused on the elements of the day. We get focused on the chaos. We get focused on the things that are happening on the news. You know, I find it interesting that Jesus speaks of giving more than 2,000 times in the New Testament in one way or another. He talks about this idea of giving of ourselves and reaching outside of ourselves So clearly there's a strong connection between faithfulness to God's call and plan and that of the attitude and action of giving. There's this clear connection to the way that we live our lives and the way that we reach outside of ourselves and God's call and plan for our lives. You know, God knows there's a bond between our heart to surrender to him, our desire to follow Jesus, and our link to material things. You know, I don't know about you, but, but that whole draw, that whole pressure to the things that are material starts at a very early age. I mean, some of the first words that come out of our mouths are not mom or dad or, you know, isn't life great? No, it's mine, mine, mine. That's my toy, those are my Legos, that's my stuff. It's my bed, don't touch my bed. It's mine. And we're, we have that possessive nature that's, that's just gr- ground into us at an early age. And we find ourselves holding tight to the things that we have. And so God knows there's a bond between our desire to surrender and our need to hold on. And our goal should be to live out our faith in a positive way that points people to him. Now, many times, however, the one issue that separates us from that reality is how we manage and handle the resources that God has entrusted to us. To gain a greater understanding of what it looks like to be compelled to give, to live our lives with this idea of uncommon generosity that we've talked about, we should gain our inspiration from the Christians, the church, in Macedonia. Our text today is, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you don't, you can join us on the YouVersion Bible app. And all of our notes and scriptures are available to you. Just go to the Bible app and search Neighborhood Church under Events. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he's encouraging them and admonishing them And he's speaking of this Macedonian church. 
It says in verse 1, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they, also fill, they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that by his poverty he would make you rich. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you have made us rich by showing us your love, by sending your son to this earth to die and to be resurrected so that we could have life and relationship with you. And today we ask that you would challenge us, Father. You'd speak to our hearts. and You'd show us those areas that you're calling us to give of ourselves, to reach outside of ourselves, to impact and influence the people that surround us. We ask that you'd give us your heart to see the world through your eyes. And Father, we thank you that you've given us the privilege to partner with you in the work that you're doing to seek and save the lost. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray your blessing on our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in this passage of Scripture that Paul is sharing, He's, he's speaking to the church at, at Corinth, and he's, and he's challenging them. He's challenging them to understand the incredible generosity and the heart that this Macedonian church has had and their desire to give of themselves. It's clear in, in, in Paul's estimation that their attitudes and actions are a near-perfect model for every follower of Jesus this idea of giving of ourselves, this idea of reaching outside, this idea of seeing the needs of others before our own. And it's clear Paul is, is calling us to, to imitate and emulate the actions of this church. What is it that will make our giving to God great, though? What is it will, that will move our desire to live our lives outside of just living day to day, where our gift of love, our gift of resources, our gift of time will truly become something great in the eyes of the Lord. There's three areas I want to touch on today when it comes to our need to be compelled to give. The first one is this, the desire to give should flow naturally from our connection to God. The desire we have to give should flow out of our direct connection to God and our relationship with him. Because God in his very essence is love. His very nature is love. And so ours should be the same. 
And when we love people, we look at their needs and we see them first. And so as we look at this desire to give, it should come from our connection with him. When we understand that our relationship with God is one of faith, obedience, and blessing, it compels us to desire to give generously. It compels us to this place to be able to say yes to the call of God on our lives. Going back to our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Did you hear that? They are being tested by many troubles. Do you face troubles in life? Have you struggled through this past year of mandates and directives and scare, scare tactics and this and that? And Perhaps it's been a struggle. Perhaps financially you are in a place that you never thought you'd be because of the uncertainty. And perhaps you're facing those same struggles. But amidst the struggles, amidst the fact that these folks were not people who were wealthy, who had amazing means to just shower upon people, it says they were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed. In generosity. When we're in a relationship with Jesus, it drives us to want to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Or it should. It should drive us to want to bless people. The believers in Macedonia understood the strong spiritual connection between them and God and desired it be strengthened through their generosity. They, they desired to come closer to God by giving of themselves. Because if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't have time, or I don't have the resources, I can't do that, then you're kind of saying two different things, because God's very nature is to pour out of himself love. So the question becomes, do we believe in God's law of supply and demand? We tend to look at the world through natural eyes. We tend to look at our circumstances by what we see, and so supply and demand is always one of those things, well, you know, as, as, you know, demand goes up, then supply has to increase, and when scarcity takes on, you know, and we don't have enough, then the prices go through the roof, and, you know, I would recommend if you're, you know, planning on building a chicken coop or a doghouse, you might want to put that project off, as Dennis Marks was sharing the price of lumber, and it's not, it's not good. But when it happens, we see it happen in the natural, but we don't typically espouse that to a spiritual context. But as we answer the demand to give generously, the call on our lives to give generously, God brings the supply to make it possible. Did you hear that? When we say yes to the demand to give of ourselves, God supplies the need. And it works without fail. So what demand in our lives is currently receiving our supply? Because our supply goes a lot of places. It's not always the most important place. 
There's a lot of important things that we invest ourselves in, but is it the best thing? Because too often we, we pour our resources into temporary things, setting aside the fact that people are walking by us each and every day who are hopeless, whose families are in shambles, who are struggling through the chaos of what's going on in the world and are desperately looking for an answer. And we grab hold of something temporary in exchange for the eternal of sharing hope and love and Jesus with those who are lost and dying. You know, understanding the, the importance of the tithe will bring a strong spiritual connection to God's desire to bring about blessing in our lives. We oftentimes look at our supply and then think about the demand. So, well, if I have enough money at the end of the month, then I'll tithe. If I, if I get to a place where I, I can get to this place financially, God, then I'll trust you with my tithe, that 10%, that tenth of what God has entrusted to us. And we start to, 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 to negotiate with God. And God's saying, no, here's the demand. I will supply the need if you trust me. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is one of the only places in Scripture you will ever see God say, Test me. Test me in this. Try me. He's saying, see, see if I won't open the windows of heaven over your life and shower down a blessing that you can't contain or even imagine. Test me. God challenges us to test him. You know, I once heard a pastor who likened this principle of, of bringing the tithe in and testing God to, to, to that of, an, of the internet. It was an interesting analogy for those of you who are around when dial-up internet, um, you know, we don't need a show of hands, but he says, the seeming infinite resources of the internet are useless to us without a good connection. In a spiritual sense, some are trying for a high-speed broadband connection with God and his resources, but they're only making a low-speed dial-up effort to access it. We all hated dial-up. I mean, let's just be honest. In the day, it was like, oh, the internet's cool. But that, you know, the, the hideous noise, it was like, it's like the most annoying noise that ever could have been conceived. And then you've got mail or something like that. And those of you who didn't have to live through that, that day, you're welcome. We all, paved, we all paved the way. But Malachi 3.10 represents this high-speed connection we need with God. When we tithe, we open up the opportunity to have direction connection, direct connection with God because we're acting out of obedience and trust, understanding that our faith is in him, not in what we see or what we have or what the bank account says. 
And as we begin to embrace this call to give from a heart of generosity, we need to understand that obedient giving draws us closer to God's plan for our lives. We've got to come to that place of understanding that the desire to give should flow naturally out of us when we're in connection with God. Because it's the active, outward appearance of our faith in Jesus. And God says, test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven over your life. The second thing is this, the decision to give should come from a heart to offer our very best. God's looking for our very best. He's not a leftovers God. Like, hey, if you got enough time in the day, dial me up. Hey, when you're at your weakest, lowest point, tragedy struck, then reach out to me. Is he going to be there for us? Absolutely. He's a faithful God. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But too often we miss the opportunity to have communion with God on a regular basis. And when it comes to giving, it's often prioritized differently by different people. For some, it's the first check they write, first bank transaction that takes place. For others, it's a struggle and perhaps a sacrifice of trust being unable to pay for something else. But God's desire is our act of giving would come from a heart of generosity that is committed and dedicated to his work in and through the local church. You understand that your giving allows the church to bless people. It allows us to reach out to our community. It allows us when people call up and say, I'm in desperate need of help. We've had a situation in our family and our lives, and, and we, don't, we don't have the resources. We don't have to go, well, you know, do you attend our church? Do you give? Okay, well, if you don't, then yeah, I'm sorry. No, the answer is yes. Yes, we can help you. Because God has blessed our church in a way that gives us the ability to come alongside of people who are hurting. God's desires, our act of giving, would come from a heart of generosity that is committed and dedicated to his work in and through the local church in the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. This is the same church Paul's talking about who is struggling through hardships and is facing adversity. He even says they're poor. But then he testifies that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Nobody was pressuring them to do anything. They were joyful in their giving. They were excited to be a blessing. They were excited to be used of God. The beauty of the Macedonian churches is they didn't feel compelled or forced. They gave out of that devotion to God and his plan. You should never feel forced to give to God. That's not the design. God is not the, the crazy God who just sits up in heaven and says, do this, and don't do that, and give the, give the tithe or you're going to hell. That's not the God that we serve. He's a loving God who desires to shower blessings 
onto your life and allow you to be a blessing to other people. He truly wants your trust. And the act of giving signifies an understanding that God can do more with the 10% than we could ever do with the 100%. He's a God of multiplication. He doesn't need your money. He needs your obedience. He needs your trust. He needs to know that when you say, I believe you are who you say you are, that there's an action that accompanies it. There's a surrender. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Do you know that it's better for you not to give at all than to give begrudgingly? Because God knows your heart. Oh, I got to write the tithe check. Church needs my money again. Here you go. Here goes Dan. He's just up there waving his hands around and he needs. God doesn't need your money. He wants your obedience. He wants your trust. He wants your devotion. And giving is just an outward expression of our trust in God. And his desire is to bless you. His desire is to use you to pour blessing and love and care into other people. You know, verse 5 in our text, when we were talking about the Macedonian church, really illustrates well God's desire for us. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. God wants your heart. He wants you to walk with him daily. He wants relationship with you. But giving isn't a given. The Macedonian church didn't give because they wanted to go to heaven. They gave because they were going to heaven. Did you hear that? They didn't give because they wanted to get to heaven. That's not how it works. They gave as an expression of joy because they knew where they were going. They knew their eternity was secure, and they knew there were people whose eternity was not, and they needed to be reached, and they needed to be loved, and they needed to be encouraged. You can excel in giving, but still be far from the kingdom of God. Personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope of salvation. And giving is just an indicator of that faith. You see that in John 3.16, that whosoever believes will not perish, but will have everlasting life. When we make that decision to follow Jesus with our whole heart, it changes the whole equation. And now we have hope, no matter what. So as we surrender our hopes, our dreams, our worries, our stresses, truly our lives to God, we will begin to unlock the absolute joy of giving. So as we understand this reality of being compelled to give, we should understand the desire to give should flow naturally from our connection to God. The decision to give should come from a heart to offer the very best we have to God.
And finally, the drive to give should have a local and a global mindset. It's easy for us sometimes to get so kind of wrapped up in our, our little sphere, our little bubble, whatever's going on in our life. And we can lose sight of what's happening in the world. We can lose sight of the people who are struggling to find a meal, much less find hope. We can lose sight of the work that's being done in communist countries where you're not allowed to preach the gospel. We can lose sight of what's happening right across the street in someone's home who's struggling, who's hurting, whose world is falling apart. As we consider God's desire that we reach across the street and around the world, we must have a mindset of giving that stretches outside of ourselves, that has a mindset that moves outside of ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says, Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Paul's challenging us. Yeah, there's a lot of really good things going on, and those are to be celebrated. But I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. Challenge yourself. Push yourself. Stretch yourself. Excel. And this should propel us right back to where we began this series. When we talked about being compelled to reach. Compelled to reach outside of ourselves. Compelled to reach a lost and a dying world. Really, it's all summarized in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Very familiar scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go. And if you can't go, support those who are going. And if you can't go across the world, go across the street. And show the love of Jesus to your neighbor. Mow somebody's lawn. Mow their beauty strip. Pull their garbage cans in. Help them out. Go pick up groceries when they can't. There are needs all around us, and we blow right past them. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. When we step into relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within us. We have the power to move on God's behalf, to share hope, to share love. And so we're called to go and give and to minister in the name of Jesus. And it tells us where we're called to. Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents our neighborhood, our, our city, our community, our, our local area. It's people across the street from you. We're called to give and, and to love those people. And Judea and Samaria, those would be the cities surrounding us, Lebanon and Corvallis and Millersburg and all these different areas within the Mid-Valley. Those are represented in those regions that are on the outskirts of our community. And God is calling us to those places as well. 
to give and to serve and to love, to come alongside of organizations that are doing work to bless people in these communities. And then to the ends of the earth. These countries, these, these places where missionaries are going, where relief organizations are doing work, where orphanages are being built to rescue kids from sex trafficking, where when horrible natural disasters hit, there's organizations that can come in and provide food and water and shelter. We're called to give and to, to support and strengthen those places as well. And it's our desire at Neighborhood Church to, to step out and to grow in our ability to give intentionally to what God is doing in Albany, the surrounding communities, and in the world. We're not satisfied. It's not, hey, let's just see if we can hit the same missions goal that we did last year, and let's just kind of hang in there. Let's just play it safe. No, God's calling us to step up, and he's calling us to step out, and he's calling us to excel in the gracious gift of giving. Today, we're launching our new approach to missions giving and support. And we call it simply Kingdom Builders. And Kingdom Builders just represents a heart to be able to move with missionaries and relief organizations and outreaches here locally and globally. In the past, we've featured individual missionaries and organizations and we've asked the church to give to specific needs and, and we've seen the church's generosity this church has, has been incredibly generous for years. Having the privilege to be here before, I know the heart of this church. And I'm asking you to consider what it would look like to step out in faith. God has done great things through the faithfulness of this church, and I know he's going to continue to do great things through you and through me as we step out and faithfulness to give. We're now wanting to take a, a unified approach to missions locally and globally. Kingdom Builders gives us the ability to support local outreach and ministry efforts, missionaries, and global outreach and relief organizations as a whole. So in, instead of having somebody come up and, hey, we're going to take a love offering for so-and-so, we want to give to Kingdom Builders, which will then allow us to spread and multiply the reach of our ministry impact as a church. Each month, we're going to spotlight an element of Kingdom Builders' work that's being done. As we are compelled to give, we, we're going to be asking you to consider supporting Kingdom Builders above and beyond your tithe. Too often, we get mixed up. Tithe is that 10% that we bring to, to commit to the church. And tithe really keeps the lights on. It's our, it covers our operating costs. It helps us to be an impact in our community. It helps us to, to stretch. It helps us to, to, to pay staff people. And that's really what the tithe represents is, is doing the ministry of Neighborhood Church. Kingdom Builders is, is for that reach outside of the church. And our desire is to do more. We've, we've done great, and we're off to a great start with our missions giving already this year. And so when you look at the commitment card that we're going to ask you to take a look at in a second, don't think we're, we're at zero and we're just 
you know, going to blast off the rocket ship and start filling in the thermometer. No, we're already off to a, a wonderful start. That's our end goal. But we want to continue to be compelled to give. We want to continue to ask you to consider supporting Neighborhood Church and Kingdom Builders. I want to commit to you today, the tithe is for the church. The tithe is for, for us to be able to do ministry. Kingdom Builders will be spent only on missions and outreach efforts, locally and globally. That is what it will be for. Not one penny, not one dime of kingdom builders will ever go to operational costs. This is purely for the work of of Jesus. It's purely for the work that we will be doing locally and globally in our desire to be a, a church that is reaching out. You'll find a commitment card on your seat there. And if you're watching with us online, we encourage you to check in with us on, on Kingdom Builders. We'll have more and more information on the website in the coming days. But you'll find a commitment card on your seat and also a missionary guide. Uh, the missionary guide will show you the missionaries that we're already supporting. Those are missionaries that we're already committed to monthly pledges on and, uh, and also some of the relief organizations that we're currently working with. And our goal and our desire in our Kingdom Builders giving is for us to be able to expand. So we want to bring on five new missionaries this year. We want to increase our support to our current missionaries. And we want to increase some of the support that we have to relief organizations such as Open Arms International and Convoy of Hope. Additionally, locally, our desire is to expand our influence in our community. We're already doing a lot. We're working with uh, community outreaches like Love, Inc. and, and uh, Options Pregnancy Resource Center. Some of those uh, places we'd like to continue to increase our support to those organizations. But we also want to increase our influence and our reach within our schools. We've had the blessing and the privilege to be able to come alongside of Lafayette Elementary for the last several years. And we've been impactful in coming alongside of families there. Our desire is to get involved with that school more to that place where they're calling us and inviting us on their campus. We had that opportunity this year to bless their staff, and that was an incredible privilege. But I know there's more that, there, that we will be able to do for Lafayette, field days and fun days for the students and the families. But we also want to expand our influence with our schools. And this year we want to bring on a middle school. So we're focusing strategically at Calicuia Middle School, and we'll be taking the model that we've built at Lafayette and taking that to Calipuya to see how we might be a blessing to Calipuya. And then the goal will be to, to move to South Albany. And then as the Lord would open doors, more and more schools and more and more places within our community that we want to reach. And we want to continue to strengthen our, our partnership with the Lexington neighborhood as we pour into the park and serve and volunteer there. We'll have more events going on things that we'll be doing over there. So there's a lot to be done, but we believe that God is good. We believe that as we trust him, as we step out in faithfulness to give, that he's going to open the doors. And so we're asking you to take those cards with you, read over them, pray over them, and consider what God would have you do. For some, it may be giving up a a, a Starbucks drink. You know, we did an, an estimation one time when I was at Horizon, because we have people who were paying tuition to send their kids to school, and 
We wanted to add some incentives so we'd give some discounts to pre-register early. We estimated that, that the average individual spends around $75 on Starbucks or Dutch Brothers every month. 75 bucks. And I'm not asking you to give up your creature comforts. Oh, goodness gracious, it's hot enough. I don't need you guys to take me out and chuck me on the asphalt. What I'm saying is we oftentimes prioritize our supply. We prioritize the, the things that God has entrusted us, the things that are temporary, and we move past those areas that have an internal impact. And I believe that God is calling us back to the place of investing as a kingdom. So would you consider kingdom builders over the next couple of weeks? We're going to ask that you bring those cards back in about two weeks, and we'll gather those up, and we'll put them in the, the offering box there, and uh, we'll have more information about where we're, how we're moving with kingdom builders. But please pray with us uh, what God would, would desire to have you do. We're grateful for your continued generosity and your continued blessing um, and your support of Neighborhood Church and what we're doing here in the community and around the world. And I know that God has great things in store. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have called us to this place of understanding that you are moving, Lord, that you are desiring to do great things in the world. And so if we have as we've committed as a church to continue to impact Albany and the surrounding communities and, and our state and our country and, and to support missionaries and organizations around the world and the work they're doing, Father, we pray that you'd strengthen our ability to be able to do that. You'd help us to trust you as we step out in faith, as we stretch ourselves, as we give generously. And we know, Lord, that as we follow your lead of loving people, that in doing so, we'll point them to you. In doing so, we'll offer them hope in the midst of a hopeless time. And in doing so, we'll, we'll help them to understand that there is meaning in this life. And that we can make an impact and reach outside of ourselves. So Father, we pray that you give us courage today. Pray that you strengthen us. You'd help us to understand what you're doing. Help us to see the world through your eyes. The people that are walking past us, who are sitting beside us at work, who live next door, are in desperate need of somebody just to care. God, help us. Help us to be those who wouldn't miss a moment. We thank you, Father, that you are doing great things that you've given us the privilege to be a part of it. We ask for your strength. This morning, if you are in a place where you've not made the decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, perhaps you've sat in church for years and have been encouraged and inspired by the things that have been said, and you've maybe even opened the Bible and thought, man, this is, this is pretty good stuff but you've been hesitant for one reason or another to, to just step into that relationship, step into the reality of what it means to follow Jesus. We want to give you the opportunity today because we believe it's the greatest and the most important decision that you'll ever make. Because Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your life. And as you step into it, he will blow your mind. So this morning, if 
you're in that place of saying, you know, yeah, I, I, I want to make that decision. I want to choose to follow Jesus with my whole heart. We want to say a simple prayer with you. And Scripture tells us, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ died and was resurrected, you will be saved. It's that simple. And so this morning, if that's you, we're not asking for a show of hands. We're not asking for you to walk to the front. Whether you're here in the house or you're tuning in online, we would ask you just to say this simple prayer with us. Church, can we say this together? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we're so grateful that you've made that decision today. We're so grateful that you've made the decision to step into relationship with Jesus, that you've received the promise of an eternity with him. And we know that as you continue to go in this journey of following Jesus, that you'll need help and support. We want you to know we're here for you. So if you made that decision today, we want to hear from you. Right on the connection card, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Send us an email, info at albanync.org. Let us know. We want to come alongside of you, get you some resources, walk with you the next steps and stages of this journey, get you a Bible, and just be along as God continues to show you what he desires to do in and through your life. This morning, as we've made a big commitment, I know, to say yes to what God is desiring to do in and through us, in Albany, in our community, and in the world, I would challenge you. Understand, sometimes we look at the commitment, we look at the goal, and we say that's impossible. I'm here to tell you, when we walk in obedience with God, he is able to multiply anything and everything that we entrust to him. And he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. So I'm encouraging you today as we go out into the blazing hot sun, please stay cool, please hydrate yourself, but know that God has got great things in store for you and for me. And as we step out in faith, let's be the neighborhood and bless people as we go. God bless you and have a wonderful week. 